Uh, we've been going through a study in the book of Acts, and I think we'll probably bring that to a conclusion today. And there was one other group that I certainly felt that it was worth mentioning uh, in this series of sermons. When We, we can't finish a, a study on the book of Acts without discussing this group. And we're going to turn to Acts chapter 17 right now. And let's pray. Lord, as we open your Bible today, we're going to read about the example of this group of people who studied your Bible daily. And we want to follow their example. We want to be familiar with the Bible. We want to be taught from the Bible because it is your word. It is God breathed, as the scripture says. You inspired it, and it's for our benefit. And we need to familiarize ourselves with it and live by every word of it. So help us today in our, in our sermon and in our study, Lord. Send the Holy Spirit here to open our minds and to open our hearts. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Paul is talking about his travels. He just visited Thessalonica. And it says in verse 10, As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. We're familiar with that name because we have a Berea, Ohio here, not too far away. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue because he wanted to find a ready-made audience. And that's where believers were meeting. He went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, or the Thessalonians, rather, for they received the message, the gospel, the preaching, with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Wow, what a wonderful attitude. They had the habit already, even before Paul got there, of studying the scriptures daily. And when Paul preached to them the gospel, they heard it with a, 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 an anxious mind, ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to believe. And furthermore, they weren't just going to take the word of a man who was preaching. They opened the scripture, looked up all of the verses that Paul cited, not in a negative, critical way to try to disprove him, but in a positive way to back up what Paul said. They wanted to read it in their own Bibles for themselves. Now, they didn't have Bibles in those days, but perhaps they had uh, some scrolls with, with scriptures, certain books of the Old Testament, it would have been, of course. They wanted to prove what Paul just taught them and read it with their own eyes and prove that it was true in a positive, believing way. What a wonderful attitude. It's an attitude that we should all have. This group is mentioned here specifically as an example for us to follow. Now, we talk a lot about reading our Bibles, that it's a habit that we should be in regularly. And you know what? You're never too old to read. You're never too long a church member to need to open your Bible and read it. And study it. You never reach the point where you think, okay, that's it. I know it all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to read because, yeah, I kind of know those things. I get the big picture of what the Bible's all about, and I kind of understand. We never reach that point 
Because I've had the experience that I know many of you had, that no matter how many times you read a particular chapter, a particular uh, segment, a particular verse, where you learn things new. You thought you knew it all about that segment. And then maybe somebody gets up here and preaches, or you're reading just on your own, and you think, huh, that's interesting. I never saw that before. We're in a continual learning process as Christians, and there's never an end to learning. There's always a a deeper truth, uh, something bigger, something uh, more exciting to learn about God. And God planned it that way. It's a lifelong study, and it's a lifelong uh, type of learning that we have. Notice a couple things about this passage here, about the Bereans. It wasn't just the ministers who looked up the scriptures to prove that what Paul was teaching was true. It was all the people. All the people are entitled to read the Bible, and all of the people are bound to search the scriptures. So it's not just my responsibility when I prepare a sermon to read and study so I can talk to you. That's your responsibility too. And that's why we encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. And this has always been the, uh, the culture of our denomination. I, c- I can remember always bringing my Bible We always used to carry a briefcase, remember that? (laughs) You'd have your Bible, you'd have your pens, you'd have your notebook, and you'd you'd bring your briefcase to church. Well, the time for uh, briefcases is gone now in our culture, but we should still bring our Bible every week, whether it's a book, whether it's on your phone, and you need to read along with me to prove that what I'm saying is true. Don't just take my word for it. Prove to yourself Now, another thing, too, is that the members were not only bound to read their own scriptures, they're entitled and bound to judge on their own responsibility whether the teaching they receive from the ministers of the church is according to the word of God. So you might get some, you know, unbalanced person up here teaching things that are not biblical. Well, you need to judge that and take note of that and kind of mark that, hey, that's not scriptural. That's, that's not according to orthodox Christian doctrine. I know uh, Pastor Dave here likes to point out to you when he hears certain preachers preaching certain things that are not biblical. He cites the uh, health and wealth gospel for sure. And you know, there are other uh, people on TV today who like to get into a lot of prophecies and things like that but they may not be biblical. They may be that person's personal interpretation of that. So we need to be careful, and we need to have the ability to judge what is in the Bible and what isn't. What is truly God's word and what isn't? Because you can be led astray. And I'll tell you what, a lot of Christians today are led astray by people teaching things that are not biblical. And who's to blame? Well, number one, it's the guy or the woman teaching the things that are not biblical. And secondly, it's your fault because you're not familiar enough with Scripture to determine what's biblical and what isn't. And shame on the teacher and shame on us if that's the case. And you know what? This is one reason why there was a Protestant Reformation because before the Protestant Reformation in the 1600s, regular church members didn't read Scripture. Number one, it wasn't available to them. 
And number two, the uh, ministers, or let's say priests at that time, did not encourage members to read scripture. It was the, the priest's word that you take, okay? But come the Protestant Reformation, uh, you know, the leaders of the Protestant Reformation encouraged members, regular Christians, to read scripture. That's when Gutenberg started printing the Bible in Europe, and it became available to more and more people. So Martin Luther saw, along with other leaders of the Protestant Reformation, saw that that was a big problem, and he wanted to fix it, and it was fixed. That's why you have a Bible today. You're not just taking my word for it. So another thing about the Bereans that I learned is that the only faith worth anything is based on your personal conviction. It's not based on my conviction. It's got to be your personal conviction that this is what the Scripture says and that the Scripture is true, that it is the Word of God. You know, for young people, it's not the personal conviction of your parents that has anything to do with your salvation. It can help. But when it comes right down to it, it's got to be your and my personal conviction that these things are the Word of God and that they're true. And that's why I can say without equivocation that Irene Messer is in heaven right now with the Lord. Because that's what the Scripture says. So the Bereans received the Word of God with all readiness of mind. They heard it without prejudice, but with eager uh, interest and with an honest and good heart. And that's the attitude that we should have. They had a sincere desire to be taught God's word and they searched the scripture daily to verify the accuracy of the teaching. And that must be our attitude as well. And we can never lose our excitement or our interest in God's word. We can never come to the point where we think we need it all, we know it all, and we don't need to be taught anything, and we certainly don't need to read scripture anymore. Uh, that's Satan influencing your life and trying to, to drive a wedge between you and God. But I'm talking about this attitude that they had. I, I'm going to turn back to Job, the book of Job, and pull a scripture out of here. Because Job had a wonderful attitude toward God's word as well. Job is right before the book of Psalms. And I'm turning to Job 23 and verse 12. No, it just does your heart good to hear this attitude on the part of people who love God and love God's scripture. This is Job 23 verse 12. Notice what he says here about God, God's word. Job says... Verse 12 of chapter 23, I have not departed from the commands of his, God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. What a wonderful attitude. God's word was more important to him than food. Do we feel that same way? Do we have that love and respect and regard for the Word of God that we look forward to reading it every day? We look forward to learning more about the God that we worship to the point that God's Word is more important to us than our daily bread, our food. Just one other uh, similar scripture in Jeremiah 15, verse 16. 
Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says this. This is Jeremiah with basically the same attitude. He says this to God. When your words came, I ate them. <laughs> How can you eat God's words? He means I made them a part of me. I, I mold them over. I meditated on them. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. He had such a love for the reading of God's word that uh, it brought him joy. They were his delight. Because after all, we are God's children and we, we want to hear from God. So that's the attitude that we should have. We read this book that we have so readily available to us today. And you know, I'm always put to shame when I read the history of the church and how in the early church, Christians just did not have scripture available to them. They had to go to a certain place where it was read and they didn't have their own copies to take home and read at their leisure like we do. And what really puts us to shame is we have so many ways today of interacting with God's Word. We can do it the old-fashioned way, like I generally do. I open a book, the Bible, and read it and study it. You know, you could have the Bible on your phone, as many of you do. You can listen to audible DVDs or CDs of God's Word as you're driving. You can play a tape, you can play a CD, a DVD. You know, there are so many ways. You can look on TV, you can see, uh, listen to podcasts, you can watch uh, you know, videos on YouTube. You know, all of these videos that we play for you are available online. They're just there. All we need to do is take the time to uh, use them and to learn from them and read them. So there's a great responsibility placed on us today. And sometimes we just get lazy. Sometimes we just kind of wander off and depart from a close relationship to God's word. And the shame is on us in a case like that. But you know what? We study this book because we believe that it is the, the God's word, the truth of God's word. Remember what Jesus said when he was praying to the Father. I won't turn there, but we all know the scripture in John 17, verse 17. He said to the Father, sanctify them, who's them, us, the church members, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. This is the only true source of truth to us today. We live in an ever-growing uh, ever society of lies of deceit. You know, I used to think that when I sat down in the evening to watch the news that I was getting the truth. But in so many ways today, you can't be sure that what you see on the news is true. You know, sometimes things are made up. Sometimes things are falsified. Sometimes things are exaggerated and it's not really the truth. There's a term today called fake news. You can't any longer believe all that you see and hear. You know, they've gone so far now with video, uh, digital type video, where they can, 
you know, put you, they can put your face into a video, in a, into a scene where you never participated. <laughs> and people can look at that and say, well, you know, there's Pastor John over there doing this, and it's not really me. They took my image digitally and placed it on, on, on you know, some, not film, but a, a video situation. They can do anything these days. And what do you believe? What is true and what isn't true anymore? This is really the only source of truth that we have to us today. Yeah, there can be truths found here and there throughout society, but it's gotten to the point now where you just can't be sure. You don't know for sure what is true. God guarantees us that this is the source of truth. And you know, God tells us remarkable things in this book. He tells us what went before us. You know, there's a lot of conjecture as to how we got here. What are we doing on this planet? What is it all about? He explains it all here. He's the creator. And I believe that because I believe that this book is God's truth. He tells us what's going to happen to us in the future, where we're going to end up for all eternity. He tells us, he explains that to us here. And you know what? He tells us in this book how to best live this life that we've been given to live right now. You know, for a lot of people, anything goes. There's no rules, no regulations. It's a how I live. I'll do anything, anything that pleases me, anything that makes me feel good. God says, no, that's not correct. <laughs> if you want to be happy, if you want to raise happy, balanced children, he teaches you how to do that here. You want a happy marriage? You want happy relationships in your life? He tells us exactly how to do that in this book. Amen. This is the source of truth. Now, we believe that. A lot of people don't. A lot of people think, well, this is fiction. <laughs> this is made-up stuff. This is a tradition. This is fairy tales. So, you know, when people find out that we read and believe this book, they criticize us persecute us come on you know become a sophisticated 21st century person you can't believe everything that you you read in that that's fairy tale stuff I believe it this is the source for my life and you know what uh, it has worked for me I guarantee you that and I attest to that fact but why do we believe this book why do we believe that this is God's Word and this is truth, and that we should live by this. Well, I got three things that I'd like to point out here. <laughs> when it comes to reading this book, understanding it, and believing it, I want you to know that that's a gift to you from God. Not everybody is able to do that. That's why I dare say most people don't put full faith and trust in this book or don't feel the need to read it. God has enabled you to believe it, to read it and to believe it and to understand it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4. And that's something that I don't take for granted because it, was, it took a miracle for God to open my mind and my heart to be able to read this book with understanding and to believe it. We're told by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, Verse 4, notice what he says here, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God 
small g, the God of this age, and we know that to be Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So why do most people not believe this book the way I believe it? They've been blinded by the God of this age. But in my life and in your life, God has done something to fix that by a miracle. Verse 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So a miracle was performed by God in your life so that now somehow your mind is open, you have a desire to learn about this God, and you have been given the conviction that this is true. This book, this word is true. As Jesus said, your word is truth. And I never want to lose sight of that, and I never want to take that for granted. God has worked this miracle in my life so that I can read this with understanding and belief, and now I want to follow the example of the Bereans and have the same attitude that they had, the same uh, desire and uh, anxiousness to study more, to read more, to learn more about this God and how we should live. In Matthew 17, verse 17, Jesus says something very similar about this miracle, how God has given us understanding that most of the world doesn't have. It doesn't make us any better because that all happened through God's grace, not anything of our own. I said Matthew 17, I meant Matthew 16, verse 17. Remember, Jesus was asking the disciples, who do you believe that I am? Verse 15, but what about you, he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So when I tell you that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our King, who revealed that to me? Did I just come up with that on my own by my study and reading you know, commentaries and, and, and things like that? That truth was revealed to me by God. And that truth was revealed to you by God the Father. That's why you understand who Jesus is and what he has done, not just for us, but for the whole world. That understanding was revealed to us by God the Father himself. So that's why we believe. We didn't come to an understanding of the Bible through our intellectual study and by going to schools and learning. That was a miracle that God the Father granted you. And that's why the world doesn't understand and doesn't believe and uh, does not look to the Bible for authority in their life because they're still in darkness. 
So never lose sight of that. Never take that for granted. The second reason why we believe God's word, we have heard it from reliable sources. Let's put it that way. We've, we've heard the word and we've learned the, the word from reliable sources. And what do I mean by that? Well, first and foremost, God, because we, we understand that this book was written written by men who were inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3. So God is the original source of authority for this book. The Bible itself tells us how this book came to be. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, this is what uh, Paul tells Timothy, a young minister at the time. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Now, who he's referring to is Timothy's mother and grandmother, mentioned elsewhere in, in this book. It was Eunice, and who was the other one? Anybody remember? Lois. Lois and Eunice. Thank you very much. His mother and his grandmother. That's who he learned about God and God's word from. So you know what? When we're young, that's where we first learn about God. Hopefully from our parents. They teach us. You know, I remember with all of our kids, Mary went out and bought children's Bibles and collections of Bible stories for children. And I can still remember with all of our kids, all of them, not all at once together, but when they were young and it was bedtime, she would sit on the bed with them and read them stories from the kids' Bible and stories about Bible personalities for kids. And the kids would listen intently. And Mary would teach them, and they believed because this is what their mom taught them. You know, that is our first source of authority when we're, when we're young. You know, we learn things from our parents. Amen. And we believe them because they're our parents. And we're their children. And there's a sense of, of teaching and authority there that most of us who are a little bit older remember. And it still should be the case today. I mean, you know, for your children or your grandchildren, we should, you know, seek to, to teach them about God as much as we can. God and the Bible. There are some parents who say, I'm not going to teach my kids anything about God. Wait till they get older, they'll figure it out. Well, you know what? They never will. Because they're certainly not going to learn about God in school. Because it's against the law to teach about God now, unless you go to a, you know, a Catholic or a private school of some kind, which a lot of people can't afford but I can remember going to school as a little kid and, and telling my friends stuff. And oh, I don't believe that. Where'd you hear that? My mom told me. <laughs> that was my authority. Or my dad told me. That's why I believe it. So remember who you heard it from. Timothy respected his mother and his grandmother. And that's why he grew up to be a minister. He was taught these things from a very early age. Not only did they teach him the truths about God, they modeled them for him. And that's just as important. 
So it's not enough for you to buy little books for your kids and teach them Bible stories. What's more important is they see you modeling that lifestyle in your life. So it's not just do as I say, it's do as I do as well. Follow that example. So it's important for us to be living the right kind of lifestyle in every respect so the kids can watch us and learn from that. So his mother and grandmother taught him that the Bible was true. Let's read on a little bit further. Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? Because it's truth. So that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we remember from whom we've learned these things. It started with God, then it was passed along through Jesus. He came to represent the Father. He said, the words that I teach are not my own. They're the Father's words. I'm just passing along to you truth from the Father. And then from Jesus to the 12 apostles, and most of the time we're reading in the New Testament, we're reading the words of the apostles. You know, the apostle Paul wrote all of the epistles. Peter wrote epistles. Uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Of course, you've got the gospel accounts as well, book of Revelation by John. So the authority for teaching this started with the Father through Jesus Christ, then through the apostles. And you know, Christianity is true because it's based on the witness of the apostles who were godly men of integrity. They weren't pursuing their own ambitions or, you know, ought to make money or anything like that. They were godly men of integrity. Most all of them went to their death believing this and teaching this. Amen. And you read about what Paul went through, how many times he was beaten and left for dead. Why? Because he was preaching the gospel. He was convinced that this was the true word of God. The apostles believed fully in Jesus Christ as Lord. They were men of obedience and prayer. They were men of the word. They were careful witnesses of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So you hear somebody preach, it's not just enough to hear the word, but you've got to know the person too. Is that person reliable to teach me about God? Because I want to be careful here. I don't want to believe just about any crazy doctrine. I want to be sure that what I'm learning here is true. Well, we're reading the words of such men. And furthermore, I in my 25 years with you, have always, to the best of my ability, tried to be that same kind of a person to you. I'm not here to teach my own personal philosophies or to make stuff up. I'm trying to teach you uh, honestly and with as much integrity as I can muster the Word of God. Amen. And you know what? Most all of you know me. You've known me for 25 years, and you know the kind of person I am. I don't lie to you. I teach, to the best of my ability, the truth. And I don't go off on a tangent and, you know, teach about possibilities or my own ideas about what's going to happen in the future. There are some men who do that. But I'm held accountable by you. 
You have the ability to look up in your Bibles, and you should, to make sure that what I'm teaching you is the Word, is the word of God. I'm sorry about that. I'm doing something here. I'm trying to be really still because I'm bumping something that's causing noise. Remember the Apostle Paul said, follow me or follow, follow me as I follow Christ. And I haven't done that perfectly, but you know what? That's the responsibility of a pastor. So that the word that you're hearing is authoritative, dependable, and it's the truth of God. I haven't done that perfectly by any means, but that makes a big difference. That's how you know you can believe. Not just because the word, but the person who's teaching you. They're dependable, and uh, you can believe them because you know their life. You've seen his example or her example over the years. And there's a third way, too, that we can believe this, this book and know that it's the truth of God. And we can prove that it's true by obeying it and seeing the results. Amen. Now, Jesus said something, this will be my last scripture, very distinctive here, and a lot of times we kind of gloss over it. This is in John 7, verses 16 through 18. In fact, when I read this scripture the other day, I kind of did a double take, and, and I thought, wow, I didn't really even notice that being here. But as I was preparing this message, this really stood out to me. Notice what Jesus said in John 7, verse 16. So you're wondering, well, this book, is it, worth, is it worth my life? I mean, how do I know this is true? How can I be sure? Well, Jesus answered, John 7, verse 16, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me, the Father. Listen to this. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Just do what the Bible teaches and see what happens. And then you'll know. And I can cite countless examples from my life, my wife and I, of reading things in the Bible, being taught by a minister, and determining, well, <laughs> let's give that a try. You know, for example, when I first came into the church, you know, one of the first things that uh, I bumped into was as far as giving, giving, giving to God. And, you know, that's kind of scary because, uh, wow, we could really use that money for a lot of stuff. And I know back in the Old Testament, the common practice was giving a tenth of your income. And I had never given a tenth of my income to anything. And that was a radical decision on my part. And I rem remember my parents, because they were still strong members of the Catholic Church, seeing that at that time I was trying to tithe and give a tenth of my income, they looked at me with a lot of concern, saying, you're giving that much of your money to that church? <laughs> they call it that church? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do that because uh, that's what the Bible says, and I'm going to step out on faith. Of course, I didn't know that kind of terminology back then, but I started doing it. And I can attest to you, for all the years since that time, my wife and I have never been in need. We've never been begging. We've always had enough. Yeah, we're not rich. 
You see, the car we drive or the, where we live, we're not rich by any means. But we've always had enough. God proved to us, just like Jesus encouraged us to do, step out on faith, okay, obey, do what the Word says, and then you'll know that this is truly the Word of God. And God has never let us down. And He never will. And sometimes it takes courage, sometimes it's a little scary to go ahead and obey, because it, a lot of times it involves making changes in your life. Because when, when you first come to salvation and you're baptized and become a new Christian, you start to find out that you're, you're, you're doing a lot of things wrong. Your attitudes, your, uh, your view on life. Uh, you know, back in the early years of this church, of course, we did a lot of legalistic things at the time, so that made, meant extra changes. But we wanted to do to the best that we understood how to please God. So we even did those things and started, you know, no longer working on Saturdays because we thought that that's what God required of us at the time and traveling long distance to go to faraway conferences because we thought that's what God wanted us to do at the time. And you know what? We were blessed for it. We found out later that we're not to be legalistic because we didn't really have a close relationship with Jesus. All our legalism got in the way. But when we finally put the legalism aside, understood about grace and drew into a closer relationship with Jesus himself, a personal relationship, he's our identity, not those other things. We were blessed for that. So what Jesus says is, you want to prove that the Bible's correct, that it's truly the word of God, put God's word into action and see the results. And I'm sure a lot of us could share stories about that. And it has even further proven to me that this is the word of God. And this is the only source of truth. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out if the Bible is true. Step out on faith. You know, in the Old Testament, God said, prove me herewith. You can put God to the test. And that's okay. Because you're doing it in a positive way. So when Jesus says, forgive, forgive others, try it out, do your best. Say, you know, God, my human nature has nasty thoughts about this person and what they've done to me, and I can't see myself ever forgiving them, and I want them to come crawling back to me with their tail between their legs and deeply apologize to me before I would ever forgive them. But then you, you think, well, I'll give it a try. I'm going to forgive them. In fact, I'm going to go over and tell them I forgive them. <laughs> See what happens. And all of a sudden, a relationship starts to be healed. And you start to realize, well, if I just do what God tells me to do, boy, things are going to be a lot better off for me. And, you know, your marriage is on the rocks, and you think, well, there's no hope for this situation, but wait. God tells husbands, you know, love your wife the way God loved, Jesus loved the church and gave his life for it. And you start thinking, well, maybe I haven't been doing that enough. Maybe I need to do that more. And all of a sudden, your marriage starts to get better and the relationship gets better. And you think, well, there's no hope for my kids. And the Bible says, you know, raise up your children in the Lord. 
And I've known of people who come into the church and all of a sudden they start teaching their kids about God and, you know, influencing them to come to church to worship on a regular basis. And all of a sudden their kids' lives start improving and they're more balanced and mature and put me to the test, God says. You want to prove that my word is true? Start living it. See what happens. God says, I guarantee that you're going to reap blessings. The curses are going to come to an end, and you're going to start to reap blessings. And that should be further proof to us that, you know, this really is true. In fact, it's the only source of truth that I can really count on. So, we talk quite often about reading the Bible and sometimes I think, well, we hear that and we think, yeah, that's a good thought and I really need to get back on the ball with that. And then all of a sudden we become distracted again. We lose sight of it and drift away from it. We need to be drawn back to this book. However you choose to, to read it and to study it. Some, Eddie, I know, has done front to back several times in his life. Start reading in, in Genesis and end with Revelation. That's a good way to do it. Or if you want to just pick chapters and go chapter to chapter or book to book, that's what we're doing in our Bible study now. We're attacking a book of the Bible and going into it in just minute detail, and we're all sharing and bringing out what we learn from that and what we see in it. And it's fascinating because one person will talk about one aspect, another person will talk about a completely different aspect of the same book and what God has opened their eyes to see. And there's no end to learning. You're gonna learn from the day you become a Christian to the day you go to be with the Lord. And I can imagine once we're with the Lord, I know that our eyes and our hearts are gonna be opened and expanded so much more when we come face to face with God and he teaches us face to face and things that we couldn't grasp or maybe couldn't believe or struggled with, all of a sudden it's going to be open to us, totally. And I look forward to that time too. So don't lose sight of the importance of reading this. This is our identity, okay? We read about Jesus Christ here from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And we need to study and show ourselves approved. That's what God wants us to do. And uh, when you're discouraged and upset because there's so little truth in this world and you don't know what to believe or who to believe anymore, we can always come back to this. Amen. And our hearts can be put at rest and we can grow closer in relationship to our wonderful God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing of this book. It is your thoughts, your feelings, your word written down for us. And just drive us back to it continually, Lord. Help this to be a place for us to go to find peace, to find comfort. And we know that you provide all of those things to us through your words. And we always need to be reminded of it. We always need to come back to it, to return to it, Lord. Because this is what we are all about. And it gives us good instruction on how we should be living now as we wait for Jesus to return and to, to bring a culmination to all things. So, Lord, thank you for this wonderful gift. 
Holy Spirit, we know you play an important part in this understanding and opening our eyes and hearts, so we pray you just really fill us with your presence as we read the Bible and help us to fully understand and want to discuss it. So thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. We love you, and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.